you've ended up at The Fabric Podcast. Whether you feel like you've got some capacity to offer help to others, are finding yourself in need of some help, or really don't think you're that kind of person who needs help, we've got to start a conversation about help. Time now for My Unsung Hero, our series from the team at Hidden Brain. My Unsung Hero tells the stories of people whose kindness left a lasting impression on someone else. Today's story comes from Justin Horner. In 2010, Horner was driving down a busy freeway in Portland, Oregon, when his tire blew out. After several hours, a van pulled up. Out came a family of four. They were Latino, and their young daughter translated between her parents' Spanish and Horner's English while they fixed his car. When they finished, the mom pulled out a big jug of water. And we were able to wash our hands, and I just thanked them and thanked them and thanked them. And I tried to give her money. I only had a $20 bill, and I just thought, you know, it's the least I could do. And she just wouldn't take it. But I I was really adamant about giving them this money. I eventually just kind of put it in her hand. And I just said, you know, there's no way I'm taking this money. And, and And I kind of walked away. And it was when I walked away that their little girl called out and she asked me if I was hungry. And in fact, I was starving. I was on my way to lunch when I had the the blowout. And she brought me a tamale from their cooler and thanked me and I thanked her and she jumped in the car and they just took off. And as they're trying to get into traffic, I unwrap the tamale and my my money is in the tamale. Like they had unwrapped the tamale, they'd put the 20 in and then they'd wrapped it back up. And I just immediately get out of the car and I run up to the van. He's still trying to get into traffic and he rolls down his window. He sees me coming and he's just shaking his head. And I'm, I'm just, I keep saying like, por favor, por favor. Like I'm holding the bill out. And he just kind of puts his hand up and he just, you know, with this big smile on his face, he just says, today you, tomorrow me. And gave me a wave And he rolled up the window and drove onto the road and took off. The last thing I saw was his daughter in the back just waving goodbye. And I never saw him again. It's weird. It's it it just seemed like some, you know, chicken soup for the soul kind of thing, right? Today you tomorrow me. Like it it could have been you, it could have been me. But when you start taking it apart, it's it's kind of big. I think at the end of the day, it just shows you that everyone can be vulnerable in a given situation and that everybody needs help. Today you, tomorrow me. Did you hear Justin say that in the story? That's going to be one of our um, refrains this morning. Today you, tomorrow me. Everybody needs help. Try that on from your week. Did you have a week full of anything unexpected that maybe messed up your plans? Something came up and you just didn't have time for it and maybe you didn't know how to handle it? Did you get pulled in too many directions more than you could do at one time? Did you have lots of demands maybe? Did you just feel really tired or maybe really alone with a problem or a situation that you're facing? Did you get some bad news this week? Did you listen to the news or watch the news? Help, right? 
Ugh. Turn to someone next to you and say, you need help. Your ability to say that, to say I need help, this is a good thing. So good job. We have already begun. So saying we need help is just part of being in our growth zone. It's definitely not always in our comfort zone, maybe never, but it is part of our growth zone. And so that's part of why we're talking about this today. And just to help us out, um, there is on the back of your Sunday paper a picture of you. So take a look and find it. And maybe you need to add some details to recognize yourself. Feel free. So there are two speech bubbles above the person in there. In one of them, you can write, I need help. In the other one, the good news is we all also have this need to help and this ability to help. So you can write, I can help. I need help, and I can help. And I want to pitch something um, to you all, to myself as well today, that I think is one of the truest things I can say to you. And that is that you need help. But opening up to that is how you will actually become the most helpful to yourself and to other people. You need help, and opening up to that is how you will become the most helpful to yourself and others. I loved what Justin, in the story, named as he reflected back on his own experience. When you start taking it apart, it's kind of big. It started pretty straightforwardly, right? A blown tire on the side of the road, and random strangers come up to him to help him out. And then it got interesting. He found himself, you know, this recipient of this help, and he wanted to pay them back, right? No, that's pretty common. Um, they wouldn't let him. It seems that as much as he wanted to pay them the $20, they wanted him not to pay them the $20, right? That's where it gets, in gets interesting. And then there were these words, today you, tomorrow me. That's where it gets big. Justin had experienced this great generosity, right? And it opened him up in this new way. Imagine how different that story would have gone if they would have been like, yeah, hey, thanks, see you later. And they took the $20 and drove off, and it just would have been maybe a nice exchange, you know, helpful enough. But would he have been telling this story? Would this story have been shared over and over? No. Think of the spigot of generosity that was opened by their one act of sticking that $20 bill in a tamale. Life woven deeply is like a $20 bill stuck in a tamale. This whole needing help thing, it takes us to some interesting, messy, challenging places. Um, the first challenging place is in that admitting admitting that we need help. We know everybody needs and deserves a helping hand, yeah, yeah. But really, we prefer never to be the ones with the tire that has blown out on the side of the road, right? We don't want to be the ones who need help. It's no fun. And I had a particular front row seat to this, lucky me, last week. I was, I was with some people I love dearly in a doctor's office, and one of them had had a stroke. And the doctor was talking through the follow-up and what was going to happen next and named that, that he would be needing more support. 
and that we would be part of figuring that out. And as we were talking, this person stopped us all and said, wait, sat forward and said, I need to say something. I hate hearing that. I don't want to be needing more support. I'm the one supporting. I've always been the one giving support. I want to be the one helping. I don't want to be the one needing everyone's help. What could we say to that? But yeah, this is hard. And it made me wonder, how would that work? How will that work? How will I be when I need more help? Will I be able to be that honest? When I need more help from my family than I, than I do now, and when I can't do the things that I can do now for whatever reason. So there's a lot to figure out there. You know, will we figure out how to be supporters and supportees and honor the, the dignity and strengths and limitations of each other as we figure, thing, figure things out together? I don't know yet. <laughs> We're gonna need some help, right? So there's admitting you need help. There's also the asking for it, right? That's a whole nother step. You might recognize your need for help, but then saying it out loud to someone and actually asking, that's hard. When my oldest kid was just putting words together, his grandma stayed with him for a week while we were on a trip and the sentence that she kept working on with him, which I think maybe was one of his first sentences, was, help, Grandma. <laughs> and she wanted him to be able to say when, when they needed something, right? And when, when there was something going on that, that wasn't feeling right. So I think that's brilliant. I mean, she probably is the first to admit that it ain't easy for us grown-ups to ask for help. And uh, it's good to start young, right? I mean, if you're like me, there are times when I know I need help, but I have no idea what kind of help. I don't even know really why I need help, what to ask for, what to offer other people, what would actually be helpful. I just have a pit in my stomach or a knot in my muscles, right? It's hard when you feel you need help, but you can't explain it. But what if we don't need to explain it? What if we could be like that little kid and just say, help, I need you, come here, come close to me. And maybe that would be enough. What if it was? Time to practice again, look at your neighbor and say, I need help. And now try it again, you need help. <laughs> oh yeah, all right, good job, good job. So Justin in the story that we heard, um, he really didn't have much choice, right? He really had to ask for help. He was, he, was, he was in dire straits. For him, the challenge was accepting the offer without feeling a sense of obligation or desire to pay them back. Well, he did feel that, right? And he couldn't. He couldn't pay them back. He felt like he couldn't pay them back. But I wonder, is he paying them back right now? But we don't like to take advantage of other people. No one likes that, or to feel indebted, or like we owe other people something. So yeah, this is kind of big, this admitting, this asking, this accepting help. So we need help with help. So that's why we're spending these three weeks breaking it down. And by we, I mean us, 
I've done a lot of homework thinking about this, for sure, and it has helped me a lot, I know. And I have needed a lot of help from the staff and my group, a lot of you individually. I've talked to you. Thank you, thank you. You should all be thanking them. And Chris Lillehei, thank you. You know, you're up next week, and I will definitely be leaving you all the thorny issues to cover. So yeah, and we fabric. Thank you for being fabric. Up here, you know, the people speaking, we don't come up here as people who have had, you know, this all figured out somehow. We also need this chance to look at these thorny and really important issues that are part of weaving life deeply. And fabric does that. We can talk about help in a way that actually helps, right? As Greg shared last week, by taking care not to to serve up some temporary comforting kinds of certainties or formulas about this and that, fabric offers something different. Fabric can offer a vision, can offer support and companionship for the messiness of real life. That perspective, that support and companionship, does that sound a little bit like help? So thank you. If you're newer around here, you might have heard, but just know this is a pretty pregnant three weeks for us as Fabric. Growing into our what's next together has and will require a lot of help from a lot of people, probably including you. Luckily, there are enough of us here with nothing else going on in our lives people who never need any help that just come here to open the doors and make the coffee and run the kids program and run the organization to help all those poor other desperate people who need the help of fabric. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> we come here because we need this too. And helping be fabric convinces us all the more. Life woven deeply is like that. So needing help is not a problem. In fact, your need for help is helpful. I love how the poet David White puts it. Um, he, he describes the benefits of needing help this way. Your need for help never leaves you alone. Ha! Does that sound like good news or bad news? It never leaves you alone, right? I mean, if you want um, a, a great trick for making new friends or finding new experiences, discovering new things, do what I do, and ask for directions. <laughs> ask for help. Oh, I can't find, you know, when you notice you can't find something or don't know where something is, or even if you have to make it up, try asking for help. It's a great experiment. I have made a lot of friends that way. You can ask Joe how I got to know him. Like, gee, I can't go anywhere. I don't have a car. I can't go to that thing. Yeah, it worked. No unmixed <laughs> motives at all. But for real, there is so much research out there about how important helping others is to our own well-being. So it never leaves us alone, and it is how we grow. We all matter. We all have things to learn. So we need help, and that's a good thing. Today you, tomorrow me. But there is still this part of us that never wants to need help. So what do we do with that? I mean, we want to be told that we are or can be invincible, self-sufficient, independent, invulnerable. There's a part of us that still wants to hear that, right? So of course, that is the message that sells and the one that we hear everywhere. 
society feeds that part of us, that part of us that doesn't want to need or freely give help. You're on your own. It's not possible. You don't deserve help. Don't be a taker. Don't get taken advantage of. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. You better watch your back. Or we have just the thing to help you, the 411, the inside scoop, the secret serum that will help you with all your problems. And um, society says even better is if you're the one everyone else is flocking to for help, right? You might be the one people are coming up to and saying, how do you make it look so effortless, right? How do you raise those perfect children? Tell me, tell me, sell me the book. Tell me again how those people are messing up America and how you are the one that's going to save us from those people. <laughs> ah, help, right? Is there some better news out there? I think we're all here because we know there is. But like Greg said last week, it can't be written down. It can only be lived out. But sometimes words can help us get a glimpse. I want to tell you what you won't hear on the cable news about a young woman in the airport who was so exhausted and harried by hours of delay and wrangling an overtired toddler that when her little boy finally and completely melted down and planted himself on the floor, she sat down beside him and started to cry. I want to tell you about five random women who immediately flowed in from all directions. One pulled out a little toy from her purse. One offered a snack or to go get something to drink. One who called the child honey wiped his nose with a tissue and offered another one to the grateful mother. And the one who asked if it was all right to walk hand in hand with the child right there at the gate, close by and always always in sight. I want to tell you about a man who makes soup and bread and then gives it away, and the nurse who held his hand when he was breathless and afraid. I want to tell you about my neighbor who drives around all winter with snow chains in his car just in case someone needs help. I want to tell you about all the people I meet who keep extending themselves and braving the risk of being told it's none of their business, who offer a hand or a bit of encouragement or a couple of bucks, who will walk a fussy child around the gate because it is the kind thing to do I want to tell you the world still turns every single day on an axis of goodness and unexpected grace that shows up without fanfare and often where we least expect to find it. It can't be written down, but can you feel it? Does it help give you some glimpses? 
of how it works. Every single day, this world turning on an axis of goodness and unexpected grace that shows up without fanfare and in those places where we least expect to find it. That's what they won't tell you on cable news or in your social media feed. It's a poem by one of my favorites, a folk musician and songwriter and poet from Indiana named Carrie Newcomer. And she calls this news of the heart instead of the news from out there. And this is why Justin had to tell his story. His heart had had firsthand experience that told him the truth of today you, tomorrow me. When you take it apart, it's, it's kind of big, he said. When you stop long enough and quiet all the noise out there, you know at some level, none of us is an island. Life woven deeply is like what they won't tell you on cable news. But society's messages will tell you you're crazy or naive for listening to that still small voice inside of you, right? Like, like Horton, you know, um, the big elephant that, that uh, knew about all these who's and he saved a whole world of tiny who's that no one else could see. Come on, Horton, what kind of voices are you listening to? Get real, you're crazy. It's not safe or prudent or practical to follow those crazy voices. And you know what? They were kind of right. Opening up to help also means opening up to risk, to rejection, to inconvenience, and hurt. It's vulnerable. You might get taken advantage of. The promise of life woven deeply can't be written down. It can only be lived in these messy reels of life, remember? It isn't found in the safe and certain feeling places that we might prefer to stand. Greg had a board and it was all wiggly in the middle, but these steady milk crates on the edge. Yeah, that's not where it happens. It's found, as the, the Hebrew prophet Jeremiah put it, written, etched into our hearts. Does having something etched into your heart sound like it might hurt a little? And have you noticed, and this is a hard thing, it's a hard thing for me still to wrestle with, that there's a sense of deep connection and clarity about what matters most that seems to come so much more readily out of the hard times, out of the tragic times, than it does out of the easy ones. I don't know why it has to be that way, but maybe a part of it is because those are the times when we see it. Those are the times that are thin enough for us to see we need help. We don't got this on our own. Maybe that explains that strange sense of loss that people report when they've kind of come to the other side of a really tragic and hard time in their lives and they feel kind of empty and kind of purposeless and they're not sure what to do with themselves. They're just back to this kind of normal life and it feels confusing and, and a little bit empty. It's a, it's a tough feeling. But maybe it's just a reminder that when we are willing and can see our need for help, 
that those are the most sacred moments. In fact, if you look back at your life and you, someone asked you, what are some of the most meaningful, significant moments? I wonder if you dug in there, if you'd see some exchange of help being given, help being received. So this sharing of mutual aid, this today you, tomorrow me, this is how weaving happens. Life woven deeply is like that. It is like that axis of goodness, that unexpected grace on which the world turns. Not independence or rugged individualism, but interdependence and mutual aid. Help is how it works. So I want to ask you and myself something here. When you try to live as if you don't need or deserve help, what are you missing out on? So there's a story in the Bible about a rich young man. It's told in two different places. One of them, it's a rich young man. One of them, it's a rich young ruler. I think times haven't changed that much. When we say ruler, we probably picture a man who's rich. <laughs> Maybe not so young. I don't know. Anyway, this person comes to Jesus for help. He had done everything right and still felt a sense of lacking. And he thought Jesus could help him out. He asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the way he put, like, that's what I want. That's what, I, that's what I'm asking for. And Jesus, interestingly, but characteristically, points away from himself and back to the young man and to what he already knows, to that which is bigger than them. Why do you call me good? God's the one who's good, and you know God. You know Yahweh and what God says we must do. And Jesus recites some of the Ten Commandments, and this young man has been hearing these since childhood, so he knows them. Matthew's version says Jesus added a bonus commandment, summing them all up, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I've kept all those commands since I was a kid, he says. Wow, I love this. Oh, those old things, that loving my neighbor as myself stuff, I don't need help with that. How are you doing on loving your neighbor as yourself? Have you got that mastered? Especially the yourself part, might I add. Are you good? Uh, you don't need any help. But Jesus didn't go there with the young man. He didn't rub anything in his face or make him get down on his knees and confess something, look back at all the ways that he actually messed up. No, instead, Jesus gave him a new invitation. He said, if you really want to enter life, if you really want to you know, go for it, here's what you need to do. Sell all that you own, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. When he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. This isn't about the money. It's about what he trusted it's about what we trust. I can't help but wonder what am I rich in that gives me confidence? Is it certainty? Is it well-worn ruts of, of thinking and behaving? Confidence in my own judgment and the ideas that I happen to be familiar with and comfortable with already? Is it sentimental attachments to that which no longer serves? Views and habits I have no real desire to change. Maybe what gives me confidence, what I really trust, is the accolades, the praise that I get from others, pleasing others, 
keeping up appearances of some kind of perfect family or life or career, etc. What is it that you're rich in? What is it that you put your trust in? What is it that allows you to think that you don't need help like everyone else? Or what is it that makes you so sure things are hopeless and beyond help? What is it that makes you say today, you, tomorrow you, tomorrow them, and those people never me needing help, never me being able to do anything to help? Jesus invites the young man to do the thing that would lead him to his limits, to take a leap, to let go and experience himself as both a giver and as a receiver of care and of help as part of all things, as interdependent. So that question, what matters most to you? What are you rich in? As you think about that, wonder too, are you letting it flow or holding and gripping in order to feel in control or maybe to feel special or safe or to hide your limits and struggles from other people? It's hard to be seen when you're struggling. But what would happen if you let those things go and let them flow like a pipe instead of a bucket? Those things that you are rich in, those things that give you confidence. The riches, they aren't the problem. You are probably rich, and I know you all are, in so many wonderful, wonderful things. Might not be money. But if it is, great. <laughs> but the problem isn't those, those things that we hold on to. It's not the things themselves. It's the illusion that they give us, the illusion of self-sufficiency that they let us keep holding on to. This lie that just doesn't seem to want to die, that we humans are somehow that one rare outlier of the universe that can somehow go it alone, That illusion needs to die, and it only seems to be able to, to die gradually and as we start to recognize these limits that we have. Have you ever been looked to as if you have no limits and looked to for help that you're actually not in a position to give? That also doesn't feel good. It might for a second to think, oh, someone needs me and wants me. I can help. And you say yes, and then not long after, the resentment comes, the burnout, the exhaustion, and you realize, oh, I don't got this. I actually hate this. Why did I ever say yes to helping? So honoring our limits is such an important part of this. And Chris is going to touch on this a lot more next week. But this week, I just want to remind us that being limited isn't bad. It just is. So can we admit that we and others have limits? Can we admit that we maybe need help from some power greater than ourselves? Whether we're saying, today you, tomorrow you, and them and those people, but never me, or today me, tomorrow me, always me needing help, we all have some admitting to do, whatever place we're coming from on a given day. And it's really hard to trust what's on the other side of those things that we're used to using to keep us comfortable. It's hard to trust if it will be worth it to accept help and to admit that we even need it. 
Um, there's more than one definition of admit that I want to talk about as we close here. In the Sunday paper on the bottom, the first one is this confessing to be true, con this confession of what's true or, or is the case, but typically with reluctance, right? We admit, but it's with reluctance. But the second thing is admitting as in allowing entrance opening doors to walk through as we are ready. Maybe the first opening is really our eyes to this bigger picture. Jesus knew that just like us, the rich young man couldn't find any more help than he already had as long as he trusted only in his own riches as his source of help, only what he could hold and see. Jesus knew that he'd find more riches and more help than he could ever ask for or imagine, but it would take letting go of his own illusions of self-sufficiency. There's a source of help that we cannot always see. David White calls it invisible help. And this kind of help, yeah, we're never quite ready for it. And mostly we don't even know that we need it. All that we can do, though, and it's a lot, is to practice the visible kinds of help, the giving, the accepting it back, and being in that mutual flow. Today you, tomorrow me. Opening our eyes to be surprised, paying attention, seeing like, like Justin did, that the help that is flowing, I can't quite explain it, but it's big. There's something to this, today you, tomorrow me. And at the end of the story, Jesus watched the young man walk away, sad. He saw him. He saw his sadness. And he turned to his friends and he said, do you know how hard it is for people to be woven into life? Do you know how hard it is for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom? And he says, it's as hard as a camel walking through the eye of a needle. That's pretty hard. And they say, well, who is there hope for? And he says, for mortals, there is no hope. But together, with God, with each other, anything is possible. Hmm. Jesus still let the young man walk away because he knew how it works. He knew that that's how life woven deeply is. There is no forcing. It always honors the dignity, the freedom of the givers and the receivers involved. Could help be like love? Is it true that help is patient and help is kind? Help does not insist on its own way. Help trusts that healing and growth and connection are always possible, even maybe especially in those lowest, saddest moments of self-isolation where we feel we forget what we are already connected to, even in those moments and maybe especially in those moments that draw us back where nothing, not even the worst stuff is wasted, no one is ever beyond the reach of help and our deepest hurts when we don't um, try to carry them alone can pull us back in 
and we become powerful givers of help, even as we've received so powerfully. So I just invite you to um, put down your pen or whatever and just put your hands together in your lap. Um, and inside there, you can think about those things that you need help with, places you see that need help um, close to you in yourself, in your family, in your community, in our world. We all have different collections in our hands, but it won't take long for any of us to fill them up. There's so much that feels um, big and hard. We need help, and we need to help. And as we open up our hands, and we open up our eyes, can we take in this bigger perspective and let it shine on those parts of our lives that we just don't got by ourselves? Often, when I bump into these, I just have to say three words. I just say, you and me. You and me. And when I say you, I might be talking about God, and I might be talking about you, or you, or both. But find a way for you, words, mantras, as Justin said, to help remind you that you need help and that there is help to be had. Today you, tomorrow me. May it be so. Thanks for listening. May this simply be the start of the conversation. Reach out if you want help connecting with a group virtually or in the Twin Cities and tag at FabricMPLS with your own thoughts on social media. You can also stay up to date and find other resources on our website, fabricmpls.com.